and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And we are joined today by our colleague, Megan Rose Dickey, one of the best writers at TechCrunch. Megan, how are you doing? Oh, wow, Anthony. That's really... <laughs> Came out strong. Came out strong. You might be the only one. <laughs> he was like, and my favorite person who I've been in love with for six years, Megan Dickey. I, I said one of, so I figured I had some wiggle room there. So no one is like, wait a second. Well, then what am I, Anthony? You're my favorite also, one editor of, of TechCrunch. One of. Oh, shit. I'm going to tell Eric Eldon. <laughs> well, hey, th- thanks for having me on the show. Love the show. love you, Megan. You're the best. <laughs> and this episode is going to be all about season three of Ozark, which I think most people know is a crime drama on Netflix. The third season came out just a little while ago. And so we will talk in general non-spoilery terms about season three, and then we'll move into spoilers. Um, I assume that most people who are listening to this probably have some idea of what Ozark is about, but there may be some people who are just maybe have more time now to to see what's on Netflix. So <laughs> do either of you maybe just want to try to explain on a high level what Ozark is about? I'll go ahead and take this one. So, um... Yeah. Ozark is, and I'm sorry if I sound like I'm in a hallway. I forgot to get a bunch of pillows. So we love you, audience. (laughs) My bad. Um, Ozark is about a family. Jason Bateman plays uh, Marty Bird, who is the patriarch of that family. And he is an accountant for a firm that he and his partner have been uh, doing the books and laundering, helping launder money for the uh, a Mexican cartel right at the opening of the show. This is not a spoiler. And um, it turns out his partner was skimming off the top and gets caught. And so Marty is in a tough situation right at season one, episode one, where he has to essentially argue for his life and the life of his family and kind of makes this plea and says, I'm going to go launder money in the Ozarks for you. It's the best possible situation. He kind of just pulls it out of his ass, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. And they go for it and they say, okay, do that. You go launder our money in the Ozarks. You have to launder this amount by this time or we'll kill you. And now, you know, we're in season three and, it's, it's kind of like a Breaking Bad in the Ozarks. We talked about that a little bit on one of the podcasts. It is very much an, a show of that, that, that is based on like whack-a-mole, right? Where he solves one problem and two spring up in its place. And he solves another and two more spring up in its place. And it's, I don't want to say high octane because it's not like an action show where there's explosions and stuff all the time, but it is your heart rate feels like that's what's happening, even if it's heavy on dialogue, because every turn that you make, there is a life or death situation around the, around the corner. And it is fantastic. I think it's probably one of my favorite shows, definitely one of my favorite shows that's live right now and probably in the top 10 for, for all time shows. Yeah. And I mean, to be clear though, there, there are some explosions. Yeah, yeah. There's not there no explosions. explosions. Like, there's definitely <laughs> stuff that happened. Like, it's not like action free, 
But like whenever you, whenever someone says high octane, you think like car chases and explosions and like mm-hmm. gunshots and like fight scenes mm-hmm. and like there's some of that. There's a, a good healthy amount of that, but it's not. That's not what I mean when I say it high octane. I think I mean like it it fucks with your blood pressure, right? Like you might be <laughs> just watching a conversation between two generally boring looking people, but your heart rate's up and there's a reason for that because it's yeah. just tense. Yeah. And I mean, I think like what I, what I really like about the show, honestly, is just like it's so relationship driven. And I mean, and I think this this isn't really a spoiler because it, I mean, it becomes clear pretty soon in season one, but like everyone in the family is like on the same page about what's going on. And like, that's, and I feel like oftentimes in these types of shows, like in breaking bad, like for so long, it's like the family has no idea what's going on. Like they're kind of clued in like much later. And so having the family clued in from early on, I think creates this really cool dynamic between all of them and um, just kind of like adds to the, the complexity of the situation. Absolutely. And they're not your cookie cutter characters either. Like we're talking about like, um, I guess when the show starts, how old is Jonah? Like 11, you know, and the daughter yeah, is like young. a teen, mid, mid teen, 15 ish, maybe, or 16 ish. Mm-hmm. And like, y- you would assume that that would be one thing to them, right? Like to find out, Oh, my parents work for a cartel. Like that's, you expect this certain kind of reaction out of them or the wife, right? Like to find out that this is happening or the, you know, any one of the characters, literally you could pull any one of the, I was thinking this when I was watching it, you could pull any single one of these characters and they could have their own show. I think like every Mm -hmm. single one is unique and interesting and not quite what you expect them to be um, at any given time. And that is part of what they're just really, really well-written, well-developed characters from top to bottom. One of my favorite things about the show is, Jordan, you were talking about this idea of whack-a-mole and how he has, to, you know, the the main character, Marty, and then and his wife, Wendy, I guess really they're sort of the co-leads of the show, um, that, you know, there's an, always another problem for them to solve but that it's also about this, not not just purely a logistical sense of, oh, here's another thing and another thing, but it's that they get pulled in deeper and deeper into this world of, I mean, money laundering, I think, is what Marty has been doing for a long time, but much more into this drug trade and into involvement with, with these various, you know, criminal organizations, including this Mexican drug cartel. And I think it's it's just... I, I like that it's not that overtly moralistic. It's not, and I, and I, it's not like asking you to sort of stand back all the time and and judge Marty and Wendy. But I think it's it's also very eyes wide open and and clear about wh- the choices they make and how somebody as they get deeper into something like this, you can always sort of justify the next thing. That that at the beginning, it's really this pure self-preservation and and family preservation thing of like, I just got to get the, you know, get this money laundering operation set up in the Ozarks. But I mean, again, very similar to to Breaking Bad, there's this gradual escalation of things that they have to do 
or that you know they think they have to do in order to to protect themselves and to get this business started and it sort of just gets they become you know becomes more and more like they just have to do more and more horrible shit essentially and i and i think it's done in this way that feels very believable and and that it it still has weight that it you know by i think there's this risk of a show like this where by the end of the first season you start to feel that okay well this person is clearly a bloodthirsty criminal and that's really what the rest of the show is about but that that there's still this feeling when they have a moral choice in front of them where you kind of want them to make the right choice even though you suspect that most of the time they're not because that's what drives the show is them continuing to get deeper into this criminal enterprise right and i think like two things based on what you just said one is like you know if for listener regular listeners of the show we talked about devs recently and i found myself thinking about that a little bit while i was watching season three of ozark because it does feel like there was that original branch of the tree which was not the ozarks pitch but a decision that was made completely off camera before we ever know about the birds which was to launder money for the cartel to begin with Right. And Mm -hmm. that one decision leads us all the way down this path. And it almost feels kind of like you said, like inevitable, right? Like you have to keep going. You can't erase where you are in this branch of decisions, right? This tree branch of decisions. Um, You have to keep going and forward and making new ones and you get deeper and deeper And there's also the piece, too, where, like, one big difference from Breaking Bad, in my opinion, is that Walter White was becoming more evil. Like, he was corrupted by the decisions that he made, in my opinion. Um, Whereas, like, on an intent level, not just on an action level, but, like, the intent was for power, right? And for revenge and for these kind of malintended malicious things. Whereas we're in season three right now. And I don't feel that Marty or Wendy's morality or intentions have changed all that much. I still think, Uh... I mean, you could make an argue a little bit about Wendy, but I think yeah, that's that's what that's what that title's about. I, I yeah. get it, and we'll talk more about this in spoilers. But I do think that her, while it feels like a power thirsty thing, and maybe maybe it's not fair for me to say there's no power thirst involved or hunger for power involved in that whatsoever. Maybe there's ten, twenty percent, something like that. But I do think that the crux of it, like the core of it, is what she says that it is, which is to protect the family. It's to protect what they've built, you know, and he has one belief on what that might look like in execution. She has another belief on what that might look like on execution. But I do think that for both of them, their main priority is their own safety and security and and that of their family. Well, I mean, I think even and still trying to not even spoil season two, but like even toward the end of season two, we kind of see Wendy and Marty starting to... Um, kind of like diverge in their thinking about what's best for the family. Like, sure, they were both saying like, okay, well, like, I think we should do this because it's going to be best for the family. Well, Marty's saying like, no, we need to do this because that's best for the family. And like, then I think season three is really this 
like exploration of like them trying to take their two different paths and kind of like clashing along the way and and i mean and i think part of that is kind of driven by wendy's desire for more power like sure like in the early seasons it was about like self-preservation and where i think marty is still trying to do that wendy is more like no like let's actually let's go beyond the preservation phase like let's actually take advantage of this like let's try to get ahead of what what the cartel is wanting and like try to predict predict what they want and like give them what they don't even know that they want yet and and i think that's where we're starting to see this like disconnect between between marty and wendy and the way she phrases it though is always in this this, that same language of you know the way we protect ourselves is by becoming indisposable to the cartel as opposed Mm to um you know saying oh i just want more power although she does talk there are conversations where um, she, she talks about wanting, you know, to, to be more powerful and to be a bigger player on, on the, on the scene. But I think that she also frames it in this way of essentially you're delusional. If you think we can just continue to launder money for the cartel and everything's going to be fine. Like the only way this ends well is if, you know, we become a much bigger player here. And I think that mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't, I'm again, I'm, <laughs> I've not had many dealings with uh, Mexican drug cartels, but um, I, I so I don't know if that which who's right there. But I think that, that that's part of what's great about the show is that it, it it that these characters have to sort of live in this gray area and this uncertainty. And I think part of what it's suggesting is that it's it's very easy to that once you sort of have that framework of I need to protect my family, and you're in this environment where people are brutally murdered all the time, and and I mean this show is like stunningly violent like i like turn Mm -hmm. away and like close my eyes like several times each season (laughs) and like in that context i think then it's very easy it shows part of what it's showing i think is in that context it's very easy to justify all kinds of really repugnant behavior because you really are in a situation where it's your life or even worse your kid's life or this other person so in that situation, of course, you can justify committing murder or, you know, I think in earlier she's more like sort of turning away when somebody else is brutally murdered. And I think that's part of what's great about it is that it just shows like that that, some, that they can seem really reasonable and rational and like they're making the right choice. But insane. Every, but instead, everything that's happening around them is totally insane and bloody. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because like I've also been watching good girls i don't know if if either of you watched that but like it's relatively similar i mean it's like Hmm. it's you know it's like they get into it because they're strapped for cash and like they like one of the women like her daughter is like super sick and needs like a kidney transplant or like this really expensive medicine other person can't afford to pay their mortgage they're like we'll do it this one time um but then like you know, like it's it's just like it was like that. You just get like deeper and deeper into it. People start dying. Like sketchy decisions are getting made, but like you can't really get out of it. So then you have to try to get a like get ahead of it, and yeah, become indisposable. And um, yeah, it's like even though this type of story arc, I feel like is becoming, I don't know, it's it's becoming more common. It's still mm-hmm. a very compelling one. <laughs> and it's like, almost just like insert like this type of character or like, or like this family. But now instead of it being a family, have it be like three best friends from, from high school or something. And like, I don't know. It's, um, it's an interesting story arc for sure. 
the other thing I take away from it is just, I think other shows make organized crime seem appealing and like, you know, like, oh, like, what if you could like live in this sort of glamorous way without rules? And I feel like Hosok just makes it clear that being a drug dealer would be horrible because you you just know that it's that at some point you're going to be straight up like brutally murdered and possibly your family too and like it's just the second that you screw something up you're dead and i'm just like oh my god i would never 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 want to be in this business and and it really makes it clear why that's just you know uh, i think journalism is a better gig <laughs> well i don't know how you'd feel if you had to yeah. lamborghini i don't know but like i mean i do agree with you that it does present the the stress involved and like just the general hypertension of being involved in something so high stakes with such dangerous people but i wouldn't say that it's not glamorous i think there are moments in this and i think you really feel it with different characters more right so like in my opinion ruth and her arc from the moment that we see her in episode one mm-hmm. to right now has ruth is like my oh, favorite hell character, yeah love her like just yeah. can't get enough of her she called someone a quarter wit and i can't stop calling people that like <laughs> i'm just like shut up you quarter wit um which is really nice of me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it is a good insult. It's pretty great. But like her arc and kind of, you know, I, I it's all about the, the character. Because her character always, I felt, had this kind of ambition and this, what she wanted to strive for something different, you know, than what she was handed when she was, when she came into this world. And it's weird to say it this way, but this criminal enterprise opened up the door for a lot of growth for her in general right and personal growth her growth in the way that she relates to other people and builds friendships and trusts them and sometimes doesn't trust them um, her upward mobility financially speaking and then there's also like wendy right like wendy to me does make this feel a little glamorous and maybe that's what we were talking about megan with that hunger for power but she and she says it herself at one point in season three, like, I've never felt more like myself. I'm myself again or or something along those those mm. lines, right? Where she, Her brother says that too. Yeah. yeah, where she's like, I'm doing something, right? Like, it's scary. Yeah, like she's hustling. But I'm out yeah. here and I'm, I mean something. And I'm, I have power. I have influence. I can make a difference, good or bad. I matter right now and i think she was missing that whereas a character like marty definitely takes the glamour out of it because you can feel his stress you can feel his he doesn't there's no bright side for marty in this do you know what i mean there's no moment where he's like oh look at me you know there's no moment where he actually enjoys it it's just so much work for him you know what i mean and so i think it really depends on the character how quote glamorous you know that lifestyle yeah i mean that's fair i think certainly especially with ruth um i you know that that i mean partly because of like the circumstances she comes from that working for marty and and becoming more and more involved in this is like you said i mean from what we've seen so far has been good for her and and i can see why what the appeal would be 
um, I guess I was seeing it more from both Marty and Wendy's perspective of, and, and just this feeling of every time they become more involved in um, either the Snells or the Navarro cartel, I just feel this like twisting in my stomach because I'm just like, oh my God, to me, like, and, and I, part, part of it, I think, is because one of the things, my favorite scenes in the show and, and one that I was actually like bringing up to people was the, the, the scene in the opening episode where Marty's partner is first revealed to have um, basically skimmed some money from the cartel. And it is just this insane, intense scene. And to me, like that just sort of completely colors everything that comes after. And, and this feeling of, oh, like this is, you know, this is what happened. <laughs> this is, you know, inevitably where, where this story ends. And I feel like there have been other moments where like you see there's this character, Helen, who is an attorney for the drug cartel played by Janet McTeer. Like my favorite character on the show, probably. She's, I think she's just like amazing. And I think even with her, you can see how the, that there's like a glam. Yeah, you're right. There is a glamour to it. And there's a reason why she's involved. There's a reason why all these people do this. But at the same time, this sense of being on just like thin ice, right? That, that, that the situation around you could change instantly and you could be dead and your whole family could be dead. And you said Ruth is your favorite character or Wendy? Uh, Helen. Oh, Helen. Yeah. Helen is a fantastic character. Ooh, she's so, yeah, she's she very makes you laugh intense. and then you're terrified of her. And I just don't, Oh, man, she's really good. Really, really good. And great casting, too, for such, like, a tall, like, imposing kind of, mm-hmm. per- like, those broad shoulders and the way they dress her. I mean, down to a T, her car, everything about her, just, like, I don't know. She's Helen. Yeah. <laughs> um. So before we go into spoilers, maybe we could just talk a little bit about how we felt about season three in general. Did you feel like it was an improvement on the first two seasons, just sort of an extension and just as good or not quite as good? I mean, I thought it was great. I actually thought it was fantastic. I don't know if it's the best season of all three. I do think that season one is just outrageously good, like maybe one of the best seasons of television that has ever existed. So it's kind of hard on that front, but I... I worry with shows like this that are like so um, high blood pressure, I guess, instead of high octane is what I'll say. And that like continue to introduce, you go deeper and deeper and deeper. Those kinds of shows, I get more and more weary of their upcoming seasons every every time. Because I'm like, you can't keep this up. You can't go deeper. You can't. Right. You just can't, you know, we either will get numb to it or you'll go too far and we won't believe it. And the fact that they did such a good job with this one, I'm like actually willing to trust season four. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come in thinking like you'll never top it. Like I'm, they've proven themselves now with season two and season three that they are capable of continuing to do this. And sometimes in bizarre ways, I mean, one, one episode in the season we find ourselves, I'm just going to say, fuck it, on a horse farm. And I'm like, what in the world are we doing here? But it all works. It all makes sense. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I, 
I uh, kudos a hundred percent on season three and I cannot wait for the next season. Yeah. I mean, I definitely enjoyed season three and, but I, I don't know, I guess it, it just, it got me wondering like how, how can this possibly end? Like they're all just going to have to die. I feel like there is a really any, cause I don't think there's really any. Are you talking about the end of the series? Just the, yeah, the end of the series, and like obviously, like I'm I'm jumping the gun, and maybe just need to be more along for the journey instead of focusing on the end. But it's hard, it's hard not to. It's like like how how long, like how sustain how sustainable is this for them? Like I feel like every season there's like a time where maybe they're at risk of just being offed, or you know, or like having to run away, but then like they can't run away and. Like, where is this? Where is this all? So, I don't think it's going to end with all of them dead. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Like, we might go down that road. And, like, sometimes I think with shows like this, where you get, where it gets so intense and deeper and deeper and deeper, that's like the only option they leave themselves. I don't necessarily think that that's where we're going to go, but I do have one prediction, which is that at least one member of the bird family will die in a terrible way before the series is mm-hmm. over. Yeah. Do you have a suspicion of who it would be? Well, I either think that one of the children will die or I think, and if that happens, one of the parents will die subsequently out of their reaction to that. Or Mm. I think Marty will die, but I think it would be Wendy. Yeah. Wendy does make sense. Cause I feel like she has, (laughs) I'm not going to say why I think that, but I I actually think they're going to let her off the hook. We're going to have to get into spoilers if I'm going to keep talking about my prediction. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's do that. So if you wait, Anthony, what did you think first? I mean, I'm only partway through the uh, the third season. I've, I've mostly been catching up Rubbish. on the previous seasons, and the show has really gotten me into it. I mean, I, I definitely was skeptical about it, or not yet, but I was just kind of like, this is a good show that's not my kind of thing, but now I'm like fully pulled into it. And so, to me, yeah. they don't really exist as separate seasons as much as just this one long story and and i think that i had the same sort of fatigue i think that that you guys did or it sounded like megan maybe had a little bit more of just kind of like how um you know what else can happen to them but but i will say like the, the big thing for me is that it feels like every you know turn in the story follows organically from the next it never feels like mm-hmm. the writers were sitting around in a room with a whiteboard being like oh, crap, like, we got to come up with a whole other set of problems for them to face. I mean, there are surprises and things that come up, but fundamentally, it feels like each one follows from the one before it. And so it, it, it you know, it, it, again, just feels like them getting pulled in deeper and deeper rather than a bunch of writers just being like, well, okay, how else can we make their lives miserable? And I, and I think that that's like the plotting just feels really strong. Yeah, for sure. Also, Anthony, quick thing, don't don't look in our Zoom chat. Because I might have accidentally spoiled something that's, for you. That's okay. Yeah. I when when we do an episode where we uh, and then you guys are about to spoil it for for me, so it's totally fine. Um, because when when you do an episode and you haven't finished it, you have to be prepared to be spoiled. So I'm ready to be spoiled. And anyone else who's listening, if you have not watched all three seasons, 
you should stop listening now unless you just want to get the whole thing spoiled for you. I'll spoil it real good. Okay, so let's just start <laughs> with... Um, so let's start with, yeah, my my favorite... I assume this was in response to my favorite character being dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. I'm going to start that way. That doesn't Yeah, have, yeah. Helen's that's how the dead. season ends. I mean, that's, that's so how the season like, ends. Do you guys... Yeah, okay, you want to recap the season? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, on a high level? Let's, let's recap it real quick. I'll, I'll try to go fast. Um, yeah, you do We open on... Uh, cold night no i'm just kidding um it's <laughs> they've just bought this this um casino boat and they've cut ties with the uh snells for the most part because darlene killed her husband and so <laughs> and so we're on this boat they've got their license and things seem to be going okay they've now got this machine to launder money for the cartel and then the FBI shows up and they say, hey, we're going to be doing, uh, I forget what they call it. It's like an extended audit, an audit. like a, an investigative yeah. audit. So they essentially have a warrant to stick around and watch the operations of the casino throughout the summer. And that means that not only can they not launder money right now, and they're under pressure from the cartel to do so, but it also means that they have to account for the amount of money that they would be laundering in the casino. So like the casino still has to make quote on the books, the same amount that it would with the laundered money, but without the laundered money as a part of it, which is very complicated. And they come up with the multiple. Yeah. I found myself. You found yourself. What? I found my just doing a lot of Googling, which is probably suspect. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm just like, how, how does money laundering work? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, there are probably a lot of people doing that as they watch um, as they watch Ozark. So, so there's probably like a whole pattern that that law enforcement can put together. Like, oh no, no, these are the the Ozark Hopefully. viewers. <laughs> oh man, yeah, because it's like because some of these are just so like because they don't always fully explain how it works. So, like, I have to feel like okay, well, like how exactly like with the even like last season, I was googling it and just like every season. Basically, well, they kind of. Explain like it pretty well in season one, but yeah, you're right that that was like three years ago. So, and we don't like do a right. whole lot of day to day money laundering chat. So, um, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, they they are trying to keep they money laundering for those who don't know is uh, when you mix in money that is illegitimate or could be seized by the government with uh, like money that you make for selling drugs, for example, when you have tons of cash and you want to legitimize that money and use it for other things. You mix it in with a clean revenue stream like that at a nail salon or a casino and you count it as money that came in through the legitimate revenue stream. Um, and cartels obviously have to do that. Any big criminal organization has to have a, a robust laundering system. And Marty is kind of the head of that for the Navarro cartel. So they're dealing with that problem. Then also Wendy's brother comes to town, Ben, who is dealing with bipolar disorder, and he's fine when he's on his meds. He's actually a incredibly pleasant character. Did you guys have feelings or thoughts on Ben? I loved his big old laugh. His yeah. big laugh. Every time he laughed, he's like, <laughs> it's like this real like hearty thing. It just feels like a bowl of stew. Yeah, I definitely I definitely like Ben. He's definitely a great addition. Um yeah, but it's it's interesting because like when he first comes on the scene, I mean, 
Marty's like, no, like he's he's got to go. And like, and at first, I'm when when that was happening, I was kind of like, oh, like what's the problem with him being around? Like, they're already very open with like their immediate family with like what's <laughs> going on here. But then it becomes clear why <laughs> why it was a problem. Well, and I stayed. think also they're clear with their their children about what's going on because I think they realized that that was the best way to protect them is to ensure that they realize the stakes around them, mm-hmm. right? That they knew that there are no mistakes allowed in this household. There are no slip-ups allowed in this household. It's our lives. And that's the only way we can and protect you. And if I tell you. you to do something, you have to do it or like what we could all do. Yeah, this isn't a time for your attitude. This isn't a time for you to pop off. This isn't a time for you to sneak out to, you know, and they do. They do fuck up from time to time and it costs big. But that was the only way they could protect their family. Now, I think that if they had a family reunion and aunts and uncles and grandpa and grandma came around, they wouldn't be like, now listen, folks, we're in the cartel, right? <laughs> like they don't, I think that was right. like a, an evil necessity. So I don't think they would want to tell anyone, period, or have someone living and kind of, quote, auditing their their lifestyle anyway. But then on top of it, when you have someone with bipolar who's a little bit of a wild card, you can't really afford that but he ends up staying anyway he's there for the summer he and ruth form a romantic relationship meanwhile because of what's happening with the fbi audit which has halted money laundering they're under a lot of pressure from the cartel who is in his own war a cartel war drug war in mexico fighting with another cartel and he's on edge And he's putting a lot of pressure on them. And so they have two very different opinions, Marty and Wendy. Marty believes that they can kind of just run from this, that he can filter enough money away and use surrogates and fake identities to just dip and be like, fuck this, we out, they'll never find us. She thinks that that will not work. And she believes that the only way to stay safe is to become, like Anthony said, indispensable to the cartel. And one way to do that is if he's in the middle of a war, he's worried probably about his family, about his legacy, about those he cares about. And so he, one way to be indispensable to him would essentially be to create a legitimate empire in his name so that if he ends up dead, his money doesn't get taken by the government, um, If he, you know, even if he doesn't end up dead, if he, if this war gets him in trouble to where he goes to jail, that his kids aren't left with nothing, right? So there's a legitimate arm to his business that can't be touched by any government for any reason. And his kids can have trusts, et cetera. And she kind of appeals to the heart of him, right? And so the way that they do that is they want to buy another casino and run it cleanly, no laundering through this casino, Well, the Kansas City mob gets involved, who's one of their many partners, blows that thing up because the other couple won't sell. And I have to say, it was pretty funny when the husband accidentally killed his wife. (laughs) I don't know if that was an accident. It felt accidental. Like, I don't think he actually meant to push her all the way down the hill into the water, but yeah, he was fine with it once it happened. He was like, fuck this, I'm ready. Um, (laughs) So... They end up getting a hold of this boat, but it it leads to several different things, one of which being that the FBI gets a 
an informant out of it because they catch someone who was involved. One of the KC mob mob boys is caught for this crime and they turn him and make him an informant. Helen's daughter comes to stay for a while and the informant is hitting on the daughter to try to get information about the cartel. Meanwhile, this daughter, Erin, doesn't know that her mom is the lawyer for like the biggest Mexican cartel and she's trying to hide it from her. There's all these moving pieces going at once. Ruth and Ben form a romantic relationship. Ruth and one of the Casey mob guys end up in a bit of a, they have a contentious relationship to begin with, but then he beats her up to a bloody pulp. And remember, Ruth feels like essentially a part of Marty's family. And he tells her explicitly at the end of season two that she is untouchable. No one can mess with you, right? Like like his own daughter, like the daughter of someone who's in a cartel, right? You don't mess with that person because it'll cost you your life. And Frank beats her up, which ends up making this really, you know, unfortunate kind of feelings for, that Ruth has for the family. Like she's not important because at the end of the day, all that Marty does is cut ties with the Kansas City Mafia because he doesn't want to start yet another war. I mean, there are a bunch of different kind of dueling um, incentives and consequences involved with everything that happens with this, right? Uh, let's see, what else happens? Uh, I mean, a, a lot. <laughs> a lot of things happen. In the, in the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess just to like fast forward a bit. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned that like, Ruth isn't happy with the way Marty deals with the fact that she was beat up. Oh, and, Wyatt. You know, what about ben? Wyatt and, and oh, yeah, Darlene? And- <laughs> so Wyatt is Ruth's cousin oh. who's mad at her because at the end of season two, she admits that she killed his dad and their uncle. And Good reason to be angry. Yeah, to and he's like vagranting and essentially like breaking and entering and living as a squatter in people's summer homes while they're gone. And when he gets arrested, he does not let Ruth bail him out. But Darlene overhears what's going on and (laughs) bails him out. And he goes to live with her, this psychopath woman. And they end up hooking up. And it is disgusting, yo. Like, I don't, I'm not here to judge or anything, but like, it was upsetting. And they let that scene last for a long time. Like that is a good 90 second scene of lovemaking between like a 65 year old and an 18 year old. How'd y'all feel about it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, I, I think it was designed to be that way. And like, there are definitely like other scenes where like, I think some of the, the, I don't know, I guess they're like farmers who are coming to like drop off the product and like, Wyatt and uh, Darlene hold hands and like they kind of pan to the one guy who like kind of gives a look and um yeah it was um yeah quite the relationship but you know I was glad at least that Wyatt knows what he's in for because Darlene did admit to murdering her <laughs> her husband so at least yeah <laughs> at least he's not in the dark totally. about that that's and yeah. I think like it does set up something interesting so just to follow that thread through Ruth is pissed about everything that's gone on. And um, I guess we'll just go ahead and tell the Ben part of the story too. So Ben stops taking his meds because he wants to be with Ruth and he can't perform 
uh, when he's on his meds. And so he goes off of them and starts kind of becoming more and more fragile. After Ruth gets beat up, he starts thinking more and more about it. He's mad that Marty and Wendy won't react and kill Frank Jr. Um, and also he is starting to do a little bit of the math on just how deep they are in with this cartel. You know, he's, he finds out for some reason, I forget exactly how he originally finds out. Then he, Ruth gets beat up. Then he ties some more strings together and realizes that Wendy is probably responsible for the death of Cade Langmore, Ruth's father, and goes to this very important gala where they're, they're opening up a foundation. Again, part of the legitimate business enterprise initiative, as I like to call it. And they, he, he freaks out. He starts yelling that everyone's a liar, blah, blah, blah. Obviously that upsets everyone in general. And he gets arrested for that. He also beat someone up the night before. So because he beat someone up, got out of jail and then went and hit someone again in front of security and a big crowd, they can't do much to keep him out of jail. And his options are jail or a state um, what is it like a behavioral facility, like a hospital, essentially? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, a mental health. Yeah, facility. and yeah. um, he opts. Well, they opt for him to take him to the the mental health facility, and he's very upset. That was a really intense scene where he was just like screaming, like "No, no!" and Wendy's crying, like "Oh my god, terrible! Can't imagine." Just sounds so awful. Um, and. Ruth is mad because she feels like he doesn't belong there and she doesn't really get the full picture. I mean, they kept telling her over and over again, like, you can't be with him. Like, even though he's great, like, it's just not going to work out or you have to encourage him to be on his meds, one of the two, but you can't be with him off of his meds. It's just not a good combo. And so she works with Darlene to get him out of this facility, at which point he goes straight to Helen, the scariest possible, short of Navarro, the worst possible person that he could go to after getting out of this facility is Helen in front of her daughter and says, you're part of the cartel. You're a monster. You're a killer. Your mom's a killer. You bitch, blah, blah, blah. And kind of lets the cat out of the bag. And I thought that I, I hate to call it funny, but I do think that one of the funniest scenes in the entire show is when Marty is with Ruth at the trailers at, at her place, her trailer area, whatever. And, um, they're talking about the fact that Ben got out and that shouldn't have happened. And he shows up and he's yelling at Marty and he's like, fuck you. I hate you. And he goes up and says hi to Ruth. And he's like, yeah, and I told that lawyer the same thing. And they're both like, whoa, 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 hold on. You did what exactly? And he's like, yeah, I went to go see Helen. And, and even Ruth is like, wait, wait, you you talked to Helen. And they're like, yeah, I, I told her she was a bitch and a monster and from the cartel. And her daughter was there too. And they're like, holy shit, wait. You said that in front of her daughter and they're like instantly like, you got to get him out of here. And she's like, get in the fucking truck, get in the fucking truck, Ben. And like, oh, I was like cracking up. I just thought it was funny because he literally just doesn't get it. Like he doesn't seem to understand 
you know, and you feel for him. <laughs> I have empathy for that. Like he just, he doesn't get it, but they're like, we got to go. Like you're dead. Like you're probably already dead. Like we're being followed as we speak. This is very serious business. So they try to get him out of there. Several things happen, but the long and short of it is that Wendy eventually is the one who is responsible for getting him to safety. And in this journey uh, to find him a place where he could be safely, he keeps buying burner phones and essentially <laughs> trying to get caught. Like, it is so frustrating. Yeah, he, that was, he calls yeah. Helen is like just wanted to figure out if we could work this out like she has some sort of sense right. of like oh yeah we could just talk it out and then it'll be okay like no that's not how it works with her or anyone involved in a cartel and then he goes and tells the police <laughs> like the navarro cartel is after them and wendy's like no no everything's fine officer <laughs> Don't worry about that. And she's like, what is wrong with you? Why do you? And he does it and he buys another phone. And she essentially realizes, and I called this early on in this road trip. I was like, she's going to have to kill him or at least mm. like sacrifice him in some way. Maybe not physically kill him herself, but like that's the only way that she can prove loyalty to the cartel at this point and save everything that they've built for the last three years is he's going to have to die. Like there's no, he's not going to stop. He's not learning. He's not grasping or understanding the severity of this. Um, and that's what ends up happening. She calls and tells them where he is and she leaves him at this restaurant. And, uh, she is obviously devastated by it and spends several days drinking and just parked on the side of the road trying to forgive herself for this uh if she ever can i don't know you know she's probably going to be pretty fucked up for for a while i i can't you know it's hard it's your sibling um so ruth figures this part out as well and decides to leave quit she quits and darlene says i got a job for you if you want you know come work for me and there's a scene where Wyatt and Ruth are standing in front of a poppy field and you kind of get this sense of like a brand new empire maybe in the works, mm -hmm. you know, um, with those two, the, the young, the young guns. And, uh, I think that's, Oh no. And then finally we get to the very end, which is that this whole time Marty's mission. Oh, we forgot to talk about Marty getting abducted. Marty gets abducted and taken to Mexico, <laughs> and the only way he can get himself out, well, step one is that the FBI agent knows that this has happened, and they have a pretty good rapport, so she flags his account, or one of the Panama accounts for the cartel, in a way that only Marty can fix, so he can essentially prove his value to the cartel, because she knows if he can't, then he'll probably never come back and die. So he proves his value, and then the whole time Navarro keeps asking him, what do you want? What do you want? And he doesn't really know the answer to it. And he finally figures out, okay, here's what I want. I want to launder money when I say it's safe. And what was the other part of it? Oh, and I want to turn an FBI agent. And so he says, I, I'm going to turn the FBI agent. So that's his new mandate. And he's trying to turn her. She's trying to turn him and have him do a deal essentially to turn over Navarro. And at the very end, Navarro says, um, 
I want my kids to come back to Mexico because he sent them away because the drug war is getting too dangerous. I want my kids to come back to Mexico. I'm going to baptize my youngest son. And I want Helen and Marty and Wendy to be there. So there's going to be a car for you in 15 minutes. And so they're on their way to the airport. And the FBI agent calls Marty and says, like, because Helen has turned against them at this point. After after right. the shit show with Ben, she has no more faith. So she's slowly moving against them. And she has signed a plea deal on behalf of Marty which will surely get him killed as soon as Navarro finds out about it. And so the FBI agent is warning him as he's getting on the plane surrounded by cartel people. Um, like you shouldn't get on that plane. You'll never come back. Like it'll leak and you'll die. Like they, they won't forgive you. And he's like, thanks for the warning, but he doesn't really have a choice at this point. He's got to get on the plane. So he gets on the plane and they, you know, are headed off to Mexico. It's very tense. And Navarro welcomes all three of them as they step out of the car, and boom, Wendy gets shot in the head. And Navarro gives them a hug and says, "This what? is a new beginning." I mean, sorry, that's not Helen. Helen you mean Helen? <laughs> Helen gets shot in the head. Helen, I'm so sorry. Their names are similar, and they're both blonde. Helen gets shot in the head, and Navarro hugs Wendy and Marty and says, "This is a new beginning." And a banging song comes on, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit! Season three, way to go! Wow, that was so much, <laughs> and we didn't even like we scratched like twenty five percent of that." Uh. <laughs> I mean, that was that was definitely quite thorough. <laughs> this is just a high level recap. Megan is the other person who's seen the uh, the whole season. Is there anything else that that's worth like highlighting in terms of stuff that you thought was great or not so great? Uh. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that ending just with, with Helen getting got, like, I really was not expecting that. And, and I mean, and I think maybe what led to that was because at some point after, after Wendy got her brother Ben killed, she called Navarro and was like, oh, just, you know, wanted to let you know that I did this thing. And he was kind of just like, oh, like, are you trying to prove that you're loyal? Like, you just, you did what, what you were supposed to do. So, like what's the big deal was was kind of like the vibe but i guess it seems like maybe he actually did appreciate that but but i guess i just wonder like as we as they head into the next season like if the if it's going to come up that marty's signed the plea deal even though he didn't actually sign the plea deal or like i don't know it'll be i don't know i mean it sounds like they're safe for now but it's just but it also speaks to just like how quickly Navarro can turn on someone that thought they were indispensable, but like clearly was not. So yeah, it's just, although they're safe for now, it seems like it's the situation is perhaps a bit more dire. That's what I'm saying. Don't work for a drug cartel. It's bad. <laughs> Easier said than <laughs> done, Anthony. Bad. Okay. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Just, great show you gotta watch it guys i if whatever's holding you back just cast that away cast that off of you and let yourself enjoy this it is chef's kiss it is just so good please please do it (laughs) yeah i've been convinced i'm i'm in uh i'm I'm gonna sorry we ruined it for you but it's still worth watching no no no. i've (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I don't. That doesn't bother me. Um, yeah, and if you and if you like Ozark, I'd also recommend Good Girls because it's it's like huh. it's similar in that like you know they're laundering money. That's like the main thing, and then like they get in too deep, etc. Um, but like it's definitely like a little lighter and more of a comedy. So it's like it can it still definitely has its dark moments, but it's it's a very good show as well. All right. Well, with that, I will just remind our readers, or sorry, I will remind our listeners that they can email us at originalcontent at techcrunch.com. If you have any thoughts on Ozark or on this review, we will read it on the next episode. You can also subscribe or leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And Jordan and Megan, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you guys for talking yeah, about thanks. Ozark with you me. Too. It was fun. 